Good everyone, we're uh, direct with uh, Terry Shower. I, I apologize for the delay. Uh, the technology that was working A1 for all week uh, decided to stop working. So uh, it, uh, like, I apologize. Uh, technology, intermittent technology, that's what it is. So we're continuing this series of uh, Facebook Live uh, today with uh, Terry Shower. Like I said, a successful property manager author also of the book the mindful landlord coach at the real estate investors club as well so uh, terry welcome thank you <laughs> so terry as a property manager uh how things are going right now what's the state of your union <laughs> okay <laughs> um so look i would say um things are quiet um you know, usually we have, uh, I guess, like, you know, a bunch of requests, a bunch of tenant demands, a bunch of things we're handling. And uh, to be honest, the, the communications have been very quiet. Um, I think people are preoccupied with other stuff. So in terms of, um, you know, the volume of, like, usual tenant communication that we handle are, like, the volume of communications, which... For those of us who are working from home with little kids, it's uh, really <laughs> a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but definitely, like, yeah, definitely, like, on the horizon, I can see that there are a couple of challenging months coming coming down the pipeline. So even if you know we haven't had a first of the month uh, since this this crisis kind of started, so you know we're we're going to April first tomorrow. So we're looking really at some challenging months, but so far things have been pretty pretty quiet for us. Okay. Uh, the, the question, what's what's the in your crystal ball? Uh, what do you think is going to be the non-payment percentage on April 1st? What's your feeling about it? Uh, so, look, I'm, uh, I'm projecting somewhere between 25 to 30% of tenants who are going to ask for some kind of arrangement. Leading up to April 1st, I've already had, uh, I would say, what can I say, maybe about 10% of my tenants who have already contacted me to find out what our policy is. Um, I'm expecting not necessarily that people are going to categorically not pay, but I'm going to, I'm expecting that between 25 to 30% of people are going to ask for some kind of arrangement. And then um, I have a bit of a game plan of how I'm going to try to influence the payment percentages of those, that group of people that that's going to ask for help. And, and obviously, it's going to go down as um, as actually the, the month goes by, because I think April 6th, uh, the federal government is going to give $2,000 to people unemployed. So I guess this is going to help also with the payment. Am I correct? Well, I mean, look, I think that's kind of a, a mixed bag of answers, because technically, yes, I think if the tenants um, want to pay their rent, I think that there is relief coming. But what's actually I find interesting is so let's say of the, the tenants who have contacted me to make payment arrangements, um, I would say maybe 25% of those requests are actually what I would consider to be legitimate. Okay. Like I feel like a lot of them are, you know, the politicians have been saying quite loudly, you know, don't pay your rent, the regie is closed. And I think that if anyone's been like watching local news, that information is out there. And so I think um, of, let's say, the group of people who is usually looking for an excuse to not pay or to pay late, they are definitely going to use that excuse. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, do, you, do you feel it's going to be the bad tenants that take advantage of this? or? 
Yeah, uh, I think so. I mean, like I said, it's, it's always a question of percentages, right? Mm -hmm. Like, let's say of the phone calls that I've had so far, uh, I would say I've had like three legitimate requests where the person actually explains to me what the problem is and where it's like a good tenant who now for the first time has issues. So I'll give you an example. I manage mm -hmm. a business center where we have a couple of massage therapists. And so I had one of them call me about a commercial rent and she explained, look, I have it for the month of March. Yes, there's aid coming on this date. But imagine if I get $2,000 a month and I have to pay my own apartment, I have to pay my car, I have to make all these kind of payments. Like basically that's an amount of money to keep your nose above, but it's not enough money to pay commercial rent. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. So look, that's an issue I understand. Um, I'll give you another example. I have another um, apartment where it's like a, a colocation and I know that all uh, three of them were uh, they're, they're, uh, working restaurants. Okay. So, very clearly I understand that they're going to have a problem because like they're, they're cut off from their source of revenue. Mm -hmm. Now the other requests that I've had are kind of like these weird blanket things of like, we heard we don't need to pay our rent. What's your policy on that? Or we heard the, the government say, Oh, you know, rent is, is on pause. So what are, what's your company planning for that? So to me, that's a bit of like a less legitimate request in the sense that like, some of my tenants, I kind of, I kind of know what they do, right? Like I, I, I might know what industry they work in. If, if I don't, I can look on their tenant application and check it. And like, I guess this might be like the, the next question, but like for me, that kind of documentation and really following up on each individual person's situation, I think is going to be important, even in terms of like how we go forward dealing with like unpaid rent starting now as mm -hmm. landlords. You're talking about commercial also, very scary these days. Huh? Yeah, uh, commercial. Very scary. Yeah, very scary. Yeah. Um, to me, uh, just to let you know, I, I, I manage it. Right now, I just I don't ask for any rents uh, at all because I want my uh, business to survive, uh, depending on the situation. But definitely massage therapists, they cannot operate. I have a uh, hairdresser as well uh, in, uh, in one of my uh, – I have a restaurant as well one of my uh, commercial units and obviously they can't operate. So the question comes like what's happening with the rent. Uh, so I turn to the government. I say, Oh, you have some plans. You have some loans from the government because the problem is with the landlords is that we can defer our payments, but, but we still have to pay uh, the actual month. Terry, are you there? There you go. Yeah, and here yeah. I just okay. yeah, connection uh, seems to be low a little bit. Yeah, that's it. Uh, can you tell me about um, you had some issue with okay. uh, some maintenance uh, with the uh, some maintenance of apartments, <laughs> and yeah, yeah, you had some uh, workers that have been turned around. Uh, can you tell me a, a little bit uh, about that? Yeah. Yeah, so like in the past days, we've started to see as like different hotspots appear in Montreal. Um, there are certain areas where there's some control who goes in and who goes out and ver verifying that it's really for, um, you know, a, a legit legitimate reason. So I'll give you an example. My uh, one of the people that I work with lives in Brossard and we have some properties in Verdun. So he was coming in in the morning into Verdun to um, repair a step. Okay, and uh, Verdun is one of the areas that's considered to be hard hit, and they're also trying to keep 
uh, I guess people who are off the island, they're trying to keep them off the island and, and, and let them in only for like uh, necessary reasons. So he had a cop stop him and uh, ask him, you know, is this, what? why are you going into town? Um, he was also driving a contractor truck. So I think um, that also like uh, gets some attention uh, that he might not. And so he wasn't prepared for that. So he just kind of, uh, you know, I need to go to this building. I need to repair this step. And he didn't have like a proper answer as to what he was, uh, he was doing. So the cop told him to turn around and go home. Oof. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. how, so, so you, I guess you do prepare your staff better now with, do you have, yeah. a, do you need an yeah. official letter or, or just clear um, so, instruction? Yeah. I mean, I guess the thing is really like my, even my, my, uh, a subcontractor really wasn't prepared for that. So, and he hadn't been watching the news. So I think he also maybe didn't know exactly how to speak to the, the policeman. So basically what I did after that is there's a list on the Quebec uh, website of what is considered essential services. And uh, basically for building like landlords are uh, building maintenance, janitorial work, uh, urgent maintenance work, pest control, plumbing, those kind of things are on the list of essential services. Okay. And I made sure that uh, my person had a screenshot of the list of essential services and then um, management uh, software. And in the management software, we have like work orders. So I made sure like we use it, but like sometimes let's say I make a quick phone call and I tell someone, okay, you're going here, do this. Now we're just being very scrupulous about detailing the maintenance requests and the way that we send the work orders is with, um, really putting an emphasis on the necessary issues. And so we kind of are pitching the work orders in such a way that I know it responds to the criteria. So I'll give you an example. When we did, uh, how can I say, take two of the maintenance requests for the handyman, um, so I sent him the, like, the link of the necessary services, and then I wrote him a work order that was, okay, you need to go and plug this hole because of the mice, and we had the exterminator recommend that that be plugged. This is the plumbing issue that needs to be done. This is the stair that needs to be repaired. There's an older resident on the third floor. We've had a complaint from her. It's a security issue. You need to go fix the step. And so because that's all detailed in an email, next time when he runs into someone who's like doing a kind of a control, he's really set up to justify, okay, these are the maintenance issues in response to this essential services. Please let me go do my job. And how's the tenants, uh, how's the tenants are, are welcoming these people are they are they are they afraid are they keeping their doors shut uh how yeah they, yeah <laughs> well like look it's a mixed bag i mean i think so far i have not had the case where um a tenant refused access for maintenance i mean really like the way we function and i think the way most landlords function is that usually the tenant requests you to come and do something and if if they're re making a maintenance request like usually it's because they want to go into the apartment mm -hmm. yeah you know yeah. yeah so so far i mean they've been collaborating and like when I, I i don't think i've had a single request for something that's like non-essential like the people that requests that i've had was like for example this, uh, it was legitimate pest control stuff i did have some plumbing issues and so those are all things where the tenants are calling me like terry can you send me someone and they're actually happy right now when mm -hmm. i'm able to send someone that's so tough. Yeah, for sure for maintenance, like the, the visits and the rental stuff is really a different ball game, but definitely for necessary repairs, like I haven't had anyone with issues. And I, I'll also say I've been lucky that the um, people that I work with in terms of maintenance are still going because who knows if things get like a little bit more hairy, it's possible that they just decide to not work anymore. So, you know, that's another, another whole thing. Good.
And and what about the visits? What's going yeah. on with the visits? Yeah, well, so this is really like a bit of a, an ethical dilemma. And uh, so I'll tell you kind of what our policy has been with people. So we're right now in what's traditionally the height of the Quebec rental season because we have tenants that are, most of them who are leaving this year are going to be leaving in July. And right now owners need to be showing units in order to sign those leases, number one. And the tenants who have given the, um, the, the, their notice that they're leaving, they need to find places. So it's kind of like both people are in a bit of a double bind here where um, the situation and the timing is forcing us to do things that we know it's not a good idea. Okay. We know that let's say there have been, um, for example, the real estate board has stopped visits for real estate agents. So there's now an order that visit real estate agents are not in the, in the, the thing of, um, of, uh, of sale. Right. Mm -hmm. So with that, you can extrapolate that as a landlord, like probably it's not the best idea to be sending unknown people into a unit that's occupied, right? If the unit is vacant and the person's going to do a visit by themselves, the key is one thing, but when we're talking about a unit that has an occupant in it, it's really a bit sketchy to be setting up that situation because you as the landlord are orchestrating that, right? And like, imagine you take some action that either contaminates someone who visited one of your units or else brings that into its houses. Like that's not a great situation. So what we did basically with all of our tenants who had said that they were leaving is we called them up and said, look, we realize you're in a difficult situation because you need to be visiting. We're in a difficult situation because we need to be renting. What about if we just push that out till September? Okay. So what I did is with the tenants who were on board with that, um, we just signed like a, an avenant, which, uh, like just a, you know, another little document that goes along with the lease that says your current lease is prolonged until September 1st and you register your departure date as September 1st. And we're just going to continue the existing lease with the same conditions until then. That's a very, very good idea. I think that's one of the best ideas I've heard so far from a yeah. property manager because they like, Putting it in September, it reduced the pressure for everyone. Yeah, yeah you're missing the, the, the big season, but what's going to be the big season if we're still uh, like in quarantine? In quarantine? Exactly. Yeah, that's uh, that's a very good uh, strategy here. Um, is the uh, what do you think about like we we talked about arrangement with the tenants? Um, do you open the case if the if you make an arrangement? That's a that's a often question that that's a question that comes often uh do you open a case at the regime if you make an arrangement with the tenants still or you don't you for non-payment uh, are you talking about are you talking about a payment arrangement or yeah. a visited arrangement payment arrangement payment okay let's just finish with the visits first okay go, um, go ahead. Yeah. yeah i think it's also just worth mentioning so we actually have stopped doing visits um, I know that there are some, like I have clients who are private owners and, you know, I've told them like what a private owner, a private landlord does and what a business does, doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily the same thing. Okay. I took a position. I don't want to be, even if the tenant agrees to open the door right now, I don't feel like ethically and socially that's the right decision to me. Now, individual landlords, like there has not been an edict from the government that says an individual landlord cannot organize visits of his own unit. But I think I would just like make an appeal to people generally, you know, at this time, like probably the situation is not going to go on for two or three months. It's probably a question of weeks. 
And I just think in the interest of making an extra 500 bucks or 600 bucks or in the interest of like having a bit less stress in June, it might not be the best time to be putting people in contact with each other, especially when we don't um, control all of the different variables. And so my advice would be just sit out a couple of weeks, you know, in, in the situation's evolving so fast right now, two weeks from now, it's going to be a completely different situation. Either we're going to begin to see the light at the end of the tunnel, or we're going to be in Spain. Like it's one of those two scenarios. Mm -hmm. And so whichever one it is, you're going to be able to adjust your behavior. And if we end up in Spain or in the U S like in a situation like that, you're going to feel really bad that you made things worse. And if we start seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, well then look, like, do you want to be the person who took a risk when there was only two weeks until the end of the critical phase in the epidemic? I don't want to be that guy. Yeah, that's that's uh, yeah, that's true. And and what about virtual visits? I've heard some uh, some yeah, landlord yeah. asking yeah to make some videos. Yeah, did it work for so you? So we had some we had some ads turning um, for apartments that it's actually it's actually interesting because like we had you know one ad left on Kijiji that just got left there, and I've had so many requests for visits. So like it's almost difficult to be like okay, I'm going to do the right thing and not because my tenant was on board to open the door. I was like, it was a bit difficult for me to be like, okay, we're not going to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I had people asking for virtual visits. Now, if you have, you know, real estate agent grade technology to do a proper visit of the unit, that's really going to give someone a good sense of it. Maybe it's a good idea. I'll tell you, I have always had bad experiences with when people don't visit the unit. Okay. So at a certain point I was doing a lot of rentals to, uh, foreign students. So sometimes like I would show them the apartment on Skype or, you know, try to give them a sense of that. But what would happen like almost 70% of the time is the person gets there. Something in the unit is not exactly how they would have liked the, 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 the area is not exactly what they imagined the building, the neighbors, some variable is not precisely to their liking. And then you end up having an issue where they move in and a week later they're trying to get rid of lease and cancel it and everything. I just don't want to deal with that. I've had, I've had bad experience with when people don't actually physically see the unit and project themselves in it. So you can do it, but at this point I'm not signing leases on based on virtual visits. Yeah, that's very wise. Uh, so back to our payments. Are we done with the visits? Yeah. yeah. So back to our yeah. payments, Ar arrangements. Yeah. Uh, you open a case in the Rigi when you have an arrangement or not? Okay. So let's like, let's like back up a little bit because I'm not sure like everybody's completely up to date with exactly what's going on. So the Rishi right now is closed. So they're not hearing new cases. We don't know exactly when they're going to open up to hear new cases, but from what I've seen, you can still like online, you can still open a case. We've actually, uh, our, um, what's it called? Our bailiff is still working. Uh, right now it's actually interesting. So Canada Post now doesn't take signatures, I don't think, when the, the person goes to the house, okay? So imagine you want to have a registered letter delivered. It's a bit complicated because the person might not go to the pharmacy to pick it up, and there's an issue with the signatures now, mm -hmm. okay? So, but the, the bailiffs are still working, and if you need to deliver uh, some kind of avis or something by bailiffs, that, that process is still working. So you can open a case at the regime, print out your file, and have the bailiff deliver it. So that it's still working. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. As far as payment arrangements go. Um, so I'll tell you what, how I imagine this situation playing out. So right now you basically as a landlord, you have no real leverage to force your tenant to pay. Even if you know that they're 
able, like that, that they're not one of the people who's directly affected by this, you basically have no leverage over that because the regime is closed. And so even if you open a file today, it's not going to be heard until far later. Mm -hmm. But so what I would say is um, for people who they really justify to you what their situation is, I want a written payment agreement. Okay. And so for people who like, for example, my uh, three young French kids who are all working in restaurants, like for me, I want them to put a payment arrangement on, on file. I want them to update me when they've done their unemployment requests. I want to be kept up to date on the steps. And if they give me a coherent plan that I can buy into, I'm going to let that play out. Okay. There are people who are talking to me now about defaulting on April. It means that they're already thinking about that. Right. And they're already like making a plan and they're like, okay, on April 6th, we're going to get more information. And so those kind of people, I'm not going to start raising the volume on that right away. However, the tenants who I feel are taking advantage of the situation, I'm going to document the way in which they communicated with I'm going to open all my Rishi files unless it's someone who like, I feel like they've made a good case for the fact that they need an arrangement and they put an arrangement on paper that we agreed to. Everybody else is going to the Rishi normally. Mm -hmm. And as if, as if it was a normal time. And then what I'm going to wait for is as like we move forward, like what's going to happen is in three, four months from now, the Rishi is going to open and we're going to be sitting there with all the non-payment cases. And then the judge is going to look at the tenant and say, okay, you are this far in arrears on your rent. Here is the payment plan I can propose to you to me why you couldn't pay your rent. And so that person is going to have to come in and have a coherent story with paperwork and with different stuff. You know, if you go to the regie, like the, the judge there doesn't just take people's word for things. They act to document, okay, what is this? What is this? What is this? What efforts did you make to pay? Could you get money from here? Did you explore this option? Da 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 da. I'm like, my sense is that the tenants who are looking for an excuse are not going to be are not going to be preparing their file properly for that day. Probably not. Probably yeah. not. Um, there was a question uh, from the live that was saying, uh, Aligny. I, I don't remember exactly the name of that credit check because I, I I don't yeah. use it. Aligny Thibodeau, I think. Is that, yeah, yeah, is that yeah, yeah. yeah it's, that's the one. Uh, is closed. So are you operating another one uh, credit check? Which one are you using as a credit check? Yeah, uh, so no, we, I mean, we like, uh, I actually have my real estate broker's license. So I have an access through an independent credit verification. So I don't use like, I know uh, for independent landlords, they have to either use a Overbeach Thibodeau or they have to use, um, what's it called? Um, like, like a pick or yeah. something. Yeah. Um, we don't use that because like I have my own license to do credit checks on people. But what I would recommend is there are third party sites. Um, I actually have a, a blog article uh, on this uh, on my personal website. So on uh, terryshower.com, if you look at, there's a blog article on uh, credit checks and there are very good third party sites, which it's actually very interesting. So the tenant logs in um, and then, their own credit report and shares the data with you okay okay so and it's actually like there's a, a couple of advantages to this the first one is it takes no hit on their credit score because when let's say I do a credit check on someone I think I dock them like three or four points on their credit because the person is requesting their own credit and sharing it with you they lose no points on their credit score and you as the landlord it actually devolves the cost of that uh, to the tenant because the tenant then has to pay the third party site to share the report with you. Okay. Very interesting. Which, which, which yeah. site is that? It, it, 
all the information on your website? Yeah, it's, I don't, you know, I don't remember it off the top of my head, uh, but uh, there, the link is there on, uh, on, on the website in the blog article. Okay. I know that, uh, by the way, I know that the cockpit is still open, so they're still doing a background check. And if you don't want to use the bailiff also, I use that a lot from like a pick where there's other services like uh, it's called Pronetif, which is an email that the, the tenant receive, obviously, if they have an email address. And it's considered as a, a proof of, of delivery. So if uh, you want to okay. use these systems, they're, they're, they're pretty cool. Um, all right. So there was another question before we move on to another subject. Uh, do you approach your tenants in advance for potential arrangement or wait? till they are late and don't pay yeah wait definitely wait like right now because the thing is i want to i want to i don't want to create the impression that we're allowing people to not pay and you know i had a, a think about this especially with with my commercial tenants um where i was considering am i gonna spam out an email and say look you know we're aware things are difficult da 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 we're because um, basically like i run i run a business center so we have like a bunch of independent tenants who rent like furnished units and um so my cleaning guy is still going he's disinfecting everything and i thought at one point should i send an email just to inform them of the protocols to follow and this and that stuff and i was like you know what i'm, I'm gonna not do that uh because i don't want to create the impression that we're open to that kind of thing I want to put the burden onto the tenants to either pick up the phone and call me and be like, Terry, I have a problem or else if they just decide to not pay their rent in that case around the 10th, maybe we're going to start picking up the phone and, uh, and, you know, following up with them. But I want to put the burden of handling that situation in their responsibility. I don't want to put it, bring it onto me because I feel like that's going to create a, uh, an impression that it's okay to not pay. Yeah, that's true. Um, and, and you have your, you have buildings yourself. Uh, are you going to use the deferred payments, uh, or not from, uh, the institution? Yes. Well, I mean, look, the, the short answer is, I don't know, because I don't know at this point, I don't know what percentage of my rents are going to be delinquent. You know, if, if I have a 5%, 5 to 10% delinquency rate, I'm going to be able to ride that out for a couple of months. Mm -hmm. If I have 50% of people who are not paying, then I'm going to have an issue and I'm going to have to start talking to, I mean, like I own a number of buildings and they're not all at the same bank. They're not all with the same thing. So I might have to make an arrangement for property or another, but like really I need to see how it develops. I don't have a, a game plan right now because I have no idea what my delinquency rate is going to be. What's your, uh, what's on with your crystal ball again? What do you think is going to be the, the, the real estate markets in the few months? Uh, that's, a, that's a really good question. So, you know, I've been watching some of the other uh, uh, people that you interviewed and, and listened to them, uh, you know, weigh in on that issue. And I, I really liked uh, Patrice Menard's uh, analysis of, of that situation. And I think he's quite right. You know, I think we're in for a difficult two or three months as landlords. Um, I think that, Uh, there are, are going to be opportunities now for people who want to seize them. And I think that there's going to be kind of a pent up energy, let's say, that falls once this crisis passed us, I think. But I think the other factor uh, that maybe, um, you know, is going to weigh on what ends up happening is as far as like a, an international downturn, Like, I think Canada and Quebec, when I look at what our governments are doing, I'm so glad and so proud that we're here 
instead of somewhere else. Okay. And like, no, serious. No, but like, seriously, like it's south a, of the border. Look, <laughs> no, no. When I look at what Trump is doing, it's, yeah. it's like a humanitarian disaster. You know, like he's going to be single-handedly responsible for, I don't know how many deaths. And when you then look at what the U.S. is heading into, how long is it going to take for the U.S. economy to bounce back? We have no idea. Mm -hmm. We have no idea. And I think the real issue is not so much, you know, locally. I think Canada is going to get back on its feet relatively quickly. Like, I think we're, we're like tracking to do, you know, like a bit of a Germany here. Um, and I'm optimistic about what, like, how we're going to get through this. But you know, in terms of the U.S. economy, in terms of the travel sector, and when um, you know tourism and that whole it, travel industry is going to be back up and running, I think we're looking at a year on that. Mm -hmm. You know, and like again, I don't have the statistics to know exactly what the segment of the Canadian economy that represents, but like it's it's big, you know, because it's not just uh, the flight attendants, right? It's everybody who works in aerospace, which in Montreal there's a certain amount of exposure to do with that. You have like let's say Bombardier or Airbus has issues and starts doing like thousands of layoffs, which like realistically that might be coming down in three months from now. I think that that's, there's going to be a, an effect of a, a global economic slump that's not going to resolve itself in the next three months. I don't think so. I think it's, you know what, how I see things, I think it's going to be a, an interesting balance on, on the investing side is that if there's a lot of non-payments, there's going to be a lot of opportunities. So yes, in each yep, ways, yeah. I win. Yeah. So either way, I win. So if there's a lot of like non-payment, well, I'm going to have difficulty managing my units and my building. I'm going to be cash flow. Uh, I'm going to have some cash flow problems. But on the other side, a lot of owners are going to have cash flow problem as well. So there's going to be opportunities yes. uh, to yeah. look and to buy with uh, other investors. So like this is the no, way I, I see look, it. It's a I, win on both I, sides. Yeah, no, I mean, look, I, I, I agree with you, I think, and I agree with, with Patrice's assessment that for people who are going to behave like professionals in the current market, I think there are going to be good opportunities. Mm -hmm. But in terms of what the outlook is for the market in general, I'm not sure that I believe that we're going to completely bounce back to where we were three months from now. I think it's going to be a longer, a longer downturn, and I think that um, that's going to take buyers out. And I think for prices, that's going to be a good thing. If you're buying and you're not afraid to act in that kind of environment, I think that's going to be like a, a good thing for you as a buyer, as an investor who's looking to acquire more properties. But I think generally speaking, like, you know, in an economic downturn, there's a lot of different factors that, that come on. Like, sure, we want to acquire more buildings, but then you have to pay your own more. You have to, if you have a day job, you're going to be concerned about your own day job. Like there's, there's all kinds of different factors that come into it. That that's true, but that was very selfish of me. This is the way I see it as a selfish, like <laughs> real estate investor that wants to buy. Because I, at one point I was like, okay, because I got about ten commercial uh, spaces, which are to me much more uh, scarier than the other uh, residential yep. unit. And I uh, and I was thinking, I was like, okay, see it a good way. I mean, if there's problem with uh, the industry it means that there's going to be good opportunities as well because yeah. there's going to be struggling homeowners and uh, not homeowners but uh, building owners also very interesting uh, times to come uh, Terry yeah. and any last words before we uh, finish with this live <laughs> um, yeah I mean if, if we just uh, you know if I uh, kind of say bounce
the the fact of you know how can because one thing is is the nuts and bolts of this the technical aspect of how do we handle the fact that we were in a bit of an uncertain period how do we deal with non-payments how do we you know like there there's really the technical nuts and bolts of landlording right now and i think there's also you know the mindfulness and the mindset part of this which is like we've not situation like this in our lives mm -hmm. you know where we're confined we're at home with our families we have like uncertainties that are economic but we also have uncertainties that might affect our loved ones or or different things like that and i think it's you know a, a time when people are feeling quite anxious and where there's just a lot of fear and i think on the one hand you know you gotta sort of take a look at how this is going to affect your business and, you know, I've been doing that, let's say at home with my husband or on the phone with my parents and like just going through this thing and, and discussions of like, look, okay, what's the most probable scenario? Like, of course we can get sucked into some kind of catastrophizing, oh, what happens if all the tenants don't pay? What happens if da 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 No, build a most probable scenario and then govern yourself according to that. And I think that goes in business as much as for, you know, what we might be feeling in our, in our personal lives at the moment you know and that i think it's important to make plans business-wise but it's also important to like manage whatever your you know discomfort or anxiety might be personally in this situation and i know you know for me i uh i'm a really active person i train a lot and usually like i, I teach brazilian jiu-jitsu as well and so for me making sure that every single day i'm either doing a workout in the basement or like getting out for a run or just doing something to like be away from my kid uh stop you know, off of mommy time, not frantically answering emails or trying to make phone calls with my kids bouncing on my head, you know, just do whatever it is you need to do that is going to bring the whole thing down. And like I've started now, I don't watch the news every yeah. night, yeah. you know, I, I, if I want specific information, I'm going to Google it or like maybe I'm going to watch one thing every two or three days, but I'm like definitely not sitting there watching news because it's stuff gets into your head a little bit. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's totally true. Uh, I mean, we, we we need some time off from the news because everybody's like 24, 24 hours a day on the news. And I mean, it's not something that moves really fast. I mean, it's it's something yeah. that, like, I think once a day, uh, once a day is enough for the news. I think so. No, absolutely. And I think, like, there's a fine line between, you know, you go, it's important to stay informed and to understand what's going on. And then there's also an aspect of like, you know, where you're watching a car crash, mm -hmm. right? And I think at a certain point, you've got to limit it and be like, look, how is this serving my life right now? And how am I chasing an ambulance? You know, and that like, that might give you short-term gratification of like, oh, what's going on with the COVID crisis? But at the same time, like that is kind of polluting your mind with a bunch of stuff that maybe right now, it's better to focus on the stuff that you can control. So your own health, your diet, your as yes, your business, if that's interesting to you and it's not creating a lot of anxiety, you know, focus on things that you have control over. What you put in your mouth, how many push-ups you do, how many kilometers you run, whatever it is, you know, like if you can make tangible goals and, and follow through on those, I think it's a good way to see things advancing, even though we have a sense that things are at a standstill. So things also that you've never had time to do for your business as well. That's what I'm doing right now as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah, me too. We're actually switching our uh, our management software. Yeah. Uh, and we're doing like all kinds of stuff that like virtually you can do because we just don't like right now we're not being solicited as much as usual. So what's the system? There was a question on the chat also. What's the system you're using now? Yeah, so we were using an American software called Buildium, which I was 
quite happy with, and we're now uh, switching to Magex, so mm -hmm. Proprio Expert, mm -hmm. uh, because we need um, the the American was really great, but like we needed now the accounting functions, and uh, the American accounting system just didn't work. So. Yeah, it's a very good software. It's actually there's actually managing more than fifty thousand uh, units. This system, uh, Magex in Quebec, so very very popular uh, system. Yeah. So, uh, Terry, thank you for uh, joining us today. I'll let you go back to uh, your, your kids. Yeah, mommying, <laughs> yeah, and for doing push-ups and jujitsu. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on our side, on the uh, real estate investor side, uh, uh, be sure to, uh, well, if you did like the content, you can share it. Or on the webpage, uh, next, uh, next week, we're going to have uh, more interviews like these every time at noon. I'm going to have to try to have some investors uh, uh, for next week. And on the French side, on the Club d'Investisseurs Immobilier, also uh, live uh, events coming up. So uh, we're going to have Airbnb and uh, Luc Poirier as well, very successful investors on Friday. Uh, Airbnb is going to be Thursday. Airbnb, uh, there's a lot of things happening with the short-term rental right now. So on the French side on uh, Thursday. Uh, other than that, just to let you know, activities are continuing. We're uh, moving on for online training as well uh, in both the Real Estate Investors Club and the Club d'Investissement Immobilier. So if you want to keep uh, keep uh, uh, keep yourself uh, educated and be on the ball, uh, we're still there for you. So again, Terry, thank you, and I apologize for uh, the uh, the late live. We had some difficulty with Facebook. Can you imagine it? And I uh, apologize also for the sound was not as good as it usually is, but we did make it work. So that's the important stuff. So Terry, thank you again. Thank you. All right. Have a good day.